And hello, everybody. Welcome into the Nittany Lions Sports Report. Bob Long and Tyler Galhouse. What a what a long delay to get here. But Big Ten football is back. Penn State football is back, and that means that we are back here tonight. It's an emergency emergency podcast here, Tyler. Uh, cer- certainly had to come on uh, as quickly as the news came out here today that the Big Ten returns to play on October the 24th, an eight-game, eight-week regular season schedule, and then a final ninth week that will include the Big Ten championship game on December the 19th, and then they'll kind of pair up a plus one um, with all those other uh, all those other teams and the two versus two in each division, et cetera. Should be a lot of fun. Very excited to see what happens here and excited to be here with you tonight. Yeah, it's good to be back. A sense of normalcy around here, uh, especially with, um, you know, watching the ACC play last weekend, um, you know, Got the sense that the Big Ten might be coming back soon. Finally, the decision was made today. We still have to wait a couple weeks, actually more than a month, till we kick off. But um, certainly good news today that was delivered. And um, the countdown is officially on to the start of the 2020 uh, football season for the Nittany Lions. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, obviously elephant in the room is that this all has to do with the, the global pandemic, coronavirus, and what has uh, gone on here in the United States uh, of course, going to do our best to kind of, we'll say, shy away from from that, right? And we want to make sure that everybody can get out there and play safely. Um, I, I don't know whether that uh, is something that can happen, will happen. But what I'm really excited for, Tyler, is these kids getting out there and having an opportunity to play. And it seems like some of the rapid testing, daily testing, and, and some of the resources being allocated in kind of round two here for the Big Ten um, I'll say are impressive and I think maybe give a little bit more comfort than the August 11th initial vote. Yeah, I, I think it's a couple things, Bob. I think that the Big Ten, when they made that decision back in August to cancel, I think they maybe jumped the gun a little bit. Uh, the Pac-12 followed right away. I think they were expecting other conferences to follow suit. The Pac-12 was the only one that followed suit. Um, and, and the Big Ten got a lot of backlash for that. The last month or so, uh, however long that's been, They've gotten backlash almost every day. Um, you know, they said that the commissioner, the communi- there was a lack of communication with the coaches. Players are opting out because they don't know what's going on. Um, but at the end of the day, fingers crossed, it's going to work out, um, and and we will have a football season. Not what anybody had expected. Uh, you know, October twenty fourth, twenty twenty, for uh, back in March, for everybody was going to be the whiteout game against Ohio State, likely deciding the Big Ten East champion. Uh, and very well deciding a possible Big Ten champion and a college football playoff berth. Now it'll be the start of the season. Um, the schedule still hasn't come out yet. It remains to be seen who Penn State will play um, on that day, but uh, definitely a step in the right direction and, and exciting nonetheless. For sure, absolutely. We might have to have another emergency pod right. when that schedule does come out. <laughs> Three quick hits for you. Uh, first of all, we mentioned the eight games in eight weeks, so no build-in bye week. Um, the other thing that, that has to be noted from a COVID perspective is uh, there's a 21-day suspension of play for any players that test positive. So that is longer than what we've seen in, uh, I guess, the normal course of life where it's been 14-day quarantine, generally speaking, for those that, that do catch the virus. And third is uh, a shutdown threshold 
for a particular team once there is a 5% positivity rate on any given team. So uh, I'm hopeful that none of those um, none of those factors yeah. come into play, but it has to be noted before we get any deeper. Sure. Um, and one thing's certain that uh, Penn State, especially with J- James Franklin, they've done a great job, uh, the program, even through the cancellation time to now with keeping their guys you know, healthy um, and all that. And I don't think – there, I don't think there's been any reported cases of football players from Penn State. Now, Penn State has student-athletes that have tested positive, uh, but so far there have been none um, at least reported that were football. Um, so so that's good. I you know, I think that James Franklin is – nobody really prepares for something like this, mm-hmm. but I think he's a good one to have in charge of your program for a time like this. One more piece of housekeeping before we really get to the nitty-gritty, and that is that we've been picked up. Uh, we have a new home this year for the Nittany Lions Sports Report. It'll still be under the Bob Long Sports moniker. Still going to be Tyler. Still going to be me. However, we're going to have a, a great partnership with a wonderful app coming out of central Pennsylvania. A lot of Penn State football fans. Great opportunity for us and hopefully a great opportunity for them to, to build their way into the Philadelphia market. That is the Small Player Big Play app run by Bruce Badgley, a good friend of mine. Uh, he's seen what we've done and kind of taking close tabs on it and thought it would be a great addition. They have an Indiana basketball show, as it turns out. He's an Indiana guy himself. A lot of high school and some other college stuff. Pittsburgh has a podcast there, so we're going to have to uh, compete against those guys. And we're excited to join them. So you see the logo on the center of your screen. Small player, big play. Make sure that this is an emergency pod, so we we get to put this one up the normal channels. But uh, please download. It's going to be free to view. And, uh, and make sure that you get out there and follow our streams all year long. We're excited to be teaming up with Small Player Big Play. All right, Tyler, time for football. The first thing that jumps out to me is the all-world and should have been all-American tight end coming back, Pat Fryermuth, running it back with the Nittany Lions here in the 2020 season. Yeah, so actually at the end of last year um – Pat Frymuth, not many people know this, but he had the chance to leave after his true sophomore season. Uh, reason for that being after three years of post-graduating high school. So three years from being removed from high school, you're actually officially eligible for the NFL draft. He took a post-grad year. So that year, it didn't count against his eligibility at Penn State or in the NCAA, but it did count towards his his clock for the NFL. Sure. So uh, not many people realize that he, he made a statement at the end of last year. Uh, we became aware of it towards the end of the year and he, he ended up coming back um, for his junior year, which is this year, which will undoubtedly be his last year uh, with the Nittany Lions. Um, there were rumors that he was going to opt out uh, not long ago. Uh, he actually never made any comments himself um, today on the Big Ten Network. Uh, James Franklin, I don't know if you saw it, but James Franklin was on a on a Zoom call, yeah. press conference with uh, Dave Revson, the Big Ten Network, and uh, he actually had Fryermuth with him, and Fryermuth had mentioned that he's coming back for his junior season. Um, he never opted out, he said, uh, despite the rumors, and, and, you know, he's full go, looking forward to um, what is, you know, pretty likely his last season in Happy Valley, and he's going to have some records. You know, I think he only needs one touchdown to break the tight end uh, receiving touchdown record. And, um, you know, he's, he's a leader for the team. He's captain. So it's a big, big opt-in, if you would say, um, for Penn State getting uh, Frymuth to recommit for the season. Sure. And, you know, whatever he may say about communication and where that came down, whether or not he had formally opted out or not, the point being was, and you're seeing this across the Big Ten, is that 
These guys were opting out because the Big Ten was talking about a spring of 2021 season in which it was going to be bumping up against the NFL draft, likely was not going to have anything related to a college football playoff with three of the Power Five conferences still playing. And so with this about face from the Big Ten, certainly no reason for these guys not to consider coming back, playing for these programs, and we'll talk about this as well, chasing a national title. Uh, it's one of those years where, yeah, the Big Ten is only going to get nine games in. These mm -hmm. other conferences are going to get 11. But the question is, can the Big Ten get a team into the college football playoff? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Big Ten is definitely going to get a team in. Uh, I think it's really only down to two teams. I think it's, you know, Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, Ohio State probably has a leg up right now. Sure. Um, you know, <laughs> under normal circumstances, I actually think that 2020, I thought Penn State was going to break through. Uh, not having that home field advantage, not having Micah Parsons on the team, um, as we talk about opt-outs, um, you know, that, that hurts. Um, Ohio State had a couple guys that opted out. Um, they might be opting back in. Um, there's some weird things going on, whether or not you hire an agent, that kind of thing. Um, so I think the Big Ten's going to be in a good spot because if you ask me, it's it's Alabama in the SEC and then Clemson in the ACC. And, and Clemson's probably not going to be tested much outside of uh, Notre Dame now that they're playing in the ACC this year. Um, but, I mean, so there's there's two of the four teams right there. We don't know what the Pac-12 is doing. They haven't been in the playoffs anyway the last couple of years. Um, and then you have Texas and Oklahoma, it feels like, in the Big 12. Uh, I think it opens – I think the door's wide open for the Big 10. Um, sure. I think one team will definitely get in. I don't know about two. I don't know how that's going to – the two might be tough this year with, with only nine games, and, right. and your resume probably wouldn't be as strong. This is, I mean, this is complete conjecture. Not even conjecture. This is just my opinion. This is the perfect year to say every Power 5 conference, minus the Pac-12, which is not playing, gets a team in the playoff. Right? Un unless there's an undefeated, let's just say an undefeated group of five Cincinnati teams. is a team that keeps popping up. And then the committee just does a 4-5 play-in. Picks right. the worst team, or so they deem. Well, of the Power Five, four, and and then and, play and a maybe one game and maybe it starts. You know, I like that idea, and maybe it starts a new process because I I think that the conference champion should be awarded a spot in the college football playoff. You know, it's like winning your conference tournament in basketball. You get that automatic bid to the tournament. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, something should be said outside of just winning your conference because that's that's really one of your top goals as a program. We should be rewarded with getting into the. Uh, the playoffs so maybe it changes things down the road maybe they do the five and then the five power five and then they take one group of five uh team right. and then do one and two get by something like that um six teams would be kind of funny how you play that out but i definitely like the idea of the conference champion getting an automatic bid to the playoff and if there's any year to do it this feels like the Absolutely. year to do it but Absolutely. tough to talk about the college football playoff without a schedule so what can we talk about well a lot of changes with this nittany lion team this year uh, one thing that isn't going to change is the guy under center, should we say, in the shotgun, Sean Clifford. Another year under his belt. Not going to have the receiving core uh, led by K.J. Hamler this year, and certainly a receiving core behind K.J. Hamler that left something to be desired last year. Your thoughts on Sean Clifford, his development, and what you see out of him this year? I think you're going to see a lot of improvement with Clifford. Um, you know, he looked he looked pretty good at times. He looked pretty bad at times last year. Um, I'm basing all of this off of what Kirk Scirocco, the new offensive coordinator, did with Tanner Morgan at Minnesota. Um, 
if you don't remember what Tanner Morgan did against Penn State uh, back in early November when they beat Penn State, I think he only had like one or two incompletions the whole day. His quarterback rating was like through the roof. Um, you know, it just looked easy for him the whole day. He had great receivers and all, but um, Kirk Sharaka has a way of simplifying an offense. Um, you know, his quarterback track record is great. Uh, and I think that Clifford has a lot of tools. Um, I think he has. I think he has good head on his shoulders, and you know I'm interested to see what he can do in this offense this year because, you know, let, let's face it. I mean, they might not have the receiving core. They definitely don't have the receiving core that Minnesota had, but Penn State's running back core is probably tops in the country or top three at least. Um, the tight end room is probably the top in the country with Pat coming back and the guys behind him, um, and the offensive line um, now under Phil Troutwine. I mean. It's going to be a tough running game to start, which is just going to open up things and make it easier for Clifford. Agreed, and I think you have some versatility in the backfield as well. Um, Noah Kane, I think, still needs to do some work, but Devin, Devin Ford has an opportunity to really become featured as a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. Jordy Brown has gotten better in that regard. Uh, obviously, Ricky Slade came in seeming to be one of those options, never really found a footing here. He's going down to play uh, for Ricky Ronnie at Old Dominion, but I, I think when you talk about this Kurt Shiraka offense, what he does so well, and I love the word simplify. He simplifies the offense, and he gets guys moving in tandem and in rhythm. And so it's about clearing out linebackers. It's about running screens while running a, a, a post on the outside. It's about running a screen on the right and having the running back sneak to the outside and putting him one-on-one -on -one with a linebacker. It's about getting the ball out of the hands of Sean Clifford quickly, which, again, we talked a lot last year and, and gained some traction in some Penn State circles with some of the, the, the blitz concepts that we've done on the whiteboard, and that will return this year as well, about Clifford not getting through multiple progressions. And Shiraka is going to want that ball out quickly, right. and I think that's going to allow Clifford to be successful within this system. You know, taking a, uh, you know, a permutation, if you will, of the old Joe Moorhead system and what was run under Ronnie with, you know, some wrinkles there, uh, Shiraka is going to take those concepts – bring a little bit of a different mix to it. Uh, I think his challenge, I don't know if it's a challenge, he used the personnel he had at Minnesota, but really did not involve the tight ends. And I see that as a personnel issue at Minnesota and a smart enough guy in Shiraka that's going to realize that not only does he have Pat Fryermuth, but a lot of talented guys underneath him. He's going to have to utilize the, the tight end position at Penn State because the wide receiver room, yep. there is a lot of – unknown talent there there is talent there uh, a lot of younger guys and it's just out of Jahan Dotson it's a lot of unproven um, but you know what you're getting a tight end you know you're getting out of the backfield um, I, yeah, I think he's, he's he has to utilize the tight end so I'm not even worried about that I know he really didn't utilize it much at Minnesota but he also had you know really good receivers Tyler Johnson who went to the NFL uh, Rashad Bateman who was an mm -hmm. opt-out as well for this year um, so you know, it was just a different, um, like, personnel, like you said, um, with what he was using there. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he implements a tight end. I mean, I would imagine that it's going to still be a focal point of the offense because it kind of has to be. Well, sure. I mean, right, we're talking about not just Pat Fryermuth, as I mentioned, uh, but guys that don't have that same track record yet but have all the, the tools in the world, Zach Kuntz and Brenton Strange and, you know, Tyler, this is a – 
this is a tight ends room that is not just going to be the 2020 show. <laughs> it, it is tight end central when you yeah. talk about recruiting in this yeah. program. And uh, Chirac is going to you know, have to be involved in those discussions, along with some of the more hit-the-pavement recruiters that Penn State has about, hey, this is how we involve tight ends, and Penn State's going to remain a big-time tight end football school. Yeah, they, they they really have to. I mean, if you think about it, they're going from Gesicki to Fryermuth, and he's going to pass a torch down after this season. And like you said, the room is loaded already. They already have, you know, two three commits for the next two classes after 2021. 22, class of 2022, they have two. And class of 2023, they already have one. And, I mean, these guys still have two or three years left of high school ball, and they're already committed to play tight end at Penn State. So people want in in that tight end room. Yep, bingo. So that's kind of the thought on on Clifford. Uh, I feel like Clifford is obviously the key for Penn he, State. Are they going to beat Ohio State? Well, I think it's got to be how how well is Clifford going to play? How well is that offensive line going to protect? Right. It, it, in my opinion, it is going to come down to Clifford. I mean, it's easy to say quarterback play, but I have full confidence, and it's very nice having full confidence in offensive coordinator because it's kind of like you got used to it with Moorhead. You know, he had trouble keeping leads at times, if you recall. Um, they were great with coming back, however. But um, it, it's like a, it's really nice to have a sense of confidence in your offensive coordinator. The last couple of years with Ronnie, I just didn't have it. Um, I didn't like the play calls. Uh, a lot of things didn't make sense. Um, but, you know, it just feels like a, bre- a breath of fresh air, if you will. And it's it's going to be really exciting, especially paired up with Troutwine, the coach of the offensive line. Yep. Uh, we talk about Clifford. Uh, but the run game is going to be his best friend. I mean, he really he's got to make plays, but he doesn't have to do anything crazy. He really right. doesn't with yep. the running game that he's going to have. Yeah, one note on Ronnie before we move on. I know we talked about this at the end of the season, uh, but that feels like a good good. Happy for Ronnie, opportunity to lead a program, add a group of five, a, a little bit of um, less from a scrutiniz- scrutinization standpoint. Uh, great for him, right? You mm-hmm. want your guys to move up. That's a good look for Franklin. Your assistants get hired elsewhere. I think it's a good thing for James Franklin as well in this Penn State football program. You said fresh air. You will, I'll call it a tweak to the existing system in the positive direction. Sure. And a guy who has a track record that, quite frankly, has eclipsed that uh, of Ricky Ronnie, a younger coach promoted from within, given a great opportunity he didn't do poorly. Penn State was a great football program. I just think that he was a bit of a weaker point in an otherwise very strong offense. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, something interesting about Chiraca, too, is he is from York, Pennsylvania. There you go. Um, he's not a young coach by any stretch. Uh, he's in his 50s. Um, you know, the head coach route has probably passed for him. Um, I'm not even sure if that's in – if that's in his you know career goals or aspirations but well if it was this would have been the year right and i and i think that this is somebody that you know could be here you know for like the next you know five to ten years maybe more you never know what's going to happen down the road but we're looking at stability right now um on the offensive side with with shiraka at oc which is good because would we have more head for two or was it three um i can't remember he wasn't here long um Obviously, he went to Mississippi State. Now he's at Oregon as their offensive coordinator. Um, and then Ronnie, I think, was two years, if I'm not mistaken. So, yep. you know, it's it's good to have that continuity um, as your play caller. So it uh, looks like Penn State has that. Yep. The gaping hole, 
on the defensive side, of course, is Micah Parsons. Opting out, that came prior to COVID. Uh, do not expect him, of course. Obviously, he's already signed with an agent. He will not be returning to Penn State. However, if there's a spot to lose a guy, now he's a generational talent, and we missed out on at least one more, and of course, probably only one more, really good year out of him. However, very excited to see some of the guys behind him come up and have the opportunity to lead this defense. I feel like Ellis Brooks is a great candidate to take right over at, at middle linebacker, yeah. but there are there are plenty of other great options surrounding him. You're going to see Brandon Smith, Lance mm-hmm. Dixon. Sure. I think the, the thing that hurts him most is we talked at the beginning about what 2020, what the expectations are, and while they're, they're still pretty much there, it's just not what anybody expected, obviously. Um with Micah Parsons, what you saw in the Cotton Bowl was what everybody was expecting to see almost every game this coming season. He's going to be a top 10 pick likely, maybe top 5. Um, depends, you know, NFL teams, I don't know that they really don't value the linebacker spot anymore, but he's a, once, he's a generational type of talent. Um, like you said, um, Penn State is, there's no lack of depth at the linebacker position right mm-hmm. now. Um they still have good leadership there. You mentioned Ellis Brooks. So now they're going to replace all three linebackers from last year, Cam Brown, Jan Johnson, and Micah Parsons. Yep. Um, not really too worried about it. Um, they already look, had six look, guys look, Here's the thing. Yes, I, not having Parsons stinks. I mean, there's no way around it. He's that good. But I'm not worried about the guys filling in. Um, Brooks will go to the middle tons of time. Yep. Um, looks like Luketa is going to move over and take over Parsons' position. Now, he's going to be pushed hard. Um, there's other guys in the in the program. You mentioned Lance Dixon, uh, young guy. He'll be a redshirt freshman this year. Curtis Jacobs, true freshman. Um, and then you go to the other side, you have um, Brandon Smith, yep. who might be the next uh, big thing think, at linebacker. I think that's your starter. Yeah, he doesn't there. look like Absolutely. a linebacker. He looks more like a DN, maybe even a tight end. Um, six foot five, probably 245 pounds, lanky, tall. And when he was fast. recruited, the number one yeah, linebacker, linebacker in the country. Yep. In the uh, country. So he'll be a sophomore. Um, they, they have tons of talent in the room, um, Young, a, a lot of young talent. That's another theme there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I expect those guys to step up, though. I mean, you know, Micah, you know, one guy's not going to replace Micah Parsons, uh, you know. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but you're going to miss that dominating. I mean, he was going to be the most dominating player on the defensive side of the ball. Which is, it's tough to swallow. That Memphis game will live forever, however. My goodness, that was uh, just a just the tip of the iceberg and, and just a quick hit on what we expected from Micah Parsons this year. However, it seems to me like Pennsylvania guy really loved his time here at Penn State. I think that's a guy that will stay connected with the program. Doesn't help us on Saturday afternoons at 3.30, but uh, I, I think he's a guy that will remain well connected with the program and with James Franklin and with that staff, especially with everything he went through to get to Penn State in that recruitment process. But I'm very excited about the linebacking core. And again, we talk about, you said replacing all three. And while that's true, it doesn't feel like it because basically every one of those guys had legitimate time over the course of last year. And with the exception of Parsons, I mean, the other two, you could argue that they're, they're upgrades more than likely. So I, I agree. Another uh, another big Twitter update that we saw today, which makes everybody happy, was Jason Alway saying that he's ready to run it back. Yeah, so 
<laughs> that's kind of a funny one to me. Um, Jason Oa will be a redshirt sophomore coming up. So again, three years removed from yeah. high school. Um, some people, some Tyler. people watching. I know where, I know where some, you're going. Some people watching. Yeah. So I mean, some people watching this show might not even know the name because he hasn't really done much for Penn State. I mean, he redshirted his first year. Last year, he had a couple sacks. He was a backup defensive end. He runs like a 4'3", 240, 6'5", 250 pounds, you know, has everything you're looking for in an NFL player. He he mentioned coming back today, um, which is huge, obviously, um, probably same boat as Fryermuth, one more year type of thing, and then off for a first-round, um, you know, NFL paycheck coming up shortly. Uh, but, no, I mean, that's huge, and, and I'm glad, you know, we get to see him play at least nine games, hopefully, yeah. um, because – it's like we hardly know them, and 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 that's the thing is like it's almost like college basketball yeah. with the Kentuckys, and and now Duke is kind of getting a lot of one and dones. Um, but you know you, you get these guys, and then all of a sudden you blink and they're gone. So um, glad that they get to utilize a year, a full year as Oway being a starter on the defensive line. Sure, and again, just what a testament to this program that we're talking about a guy who very well could be a first round draft pick this year on the defensive line that we're saying in, in his redshirt freshman year, he really didn't get much time and we don't know much about him. I mean, the talent that this program has on defense la- last year and going forward. Playing behind Gross Matos, if absolutely. I may add. Well, so, yeah, there you first go. first rounder, right? Well, so, early second. Oh, we went early second, yeah. yeah. You know, we just talked about him being a future first rounder all of last year that <laughs> I kind of forgot where he actually went. But uh, it's exactly the point is – there are guys coming behind Jason Oway as well, and, and, and here's his time to shine. Uh, just happy that he has the opportunity to do so in the blue and white. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, defensive end is is a really th- – it's a talented group right now. It's a little bit thin um, in terms of numbers, but um, it, it's what you see with these top programs. I mean, you have guys for three years, and then they're off to the NFL, and, and what do they do? They reload. They yeah. reload, and Penn State – it feels like they're starting to come to that reloading point where, all right, we lose, we lose Micah Parsons, you know, under these circumstances. It's all right, we have five former five stars waiting in the wings with Jacobs, Smith, Lance Dixon, you know, all mm-hmm. sophomores or, or younger. So, it, you know, it's, it's why you recruit. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, any other thoughts, I mean, defensively here as to what we're going to see from, from this program? Defensively, I'm I'm interested to see um, the pass defense in the secondary. Um, a couple times last year, um, you know the safeties were out of position, late getting to the ball. You have two safeties coming back. As starters are going to be seniors with Lamont Wade, Jaquan Brisker. Um, I expect big things out of both of them in their senior year. They're looking to get in, um, you know, get drafted in the NFL coming up. Um, well, Brisker is not a returning starter. He's not, but he played starter minutes. Yeah, he did. He, he's not. He's not a returning starter. Uh, he will be Garrett, this year. Garrett Taylor started, but yeah, uh, I think Brisker is a better player. Sure. Um, but well, and he was just he was, he was a junior college, right? Right. So last year. I'm expecting big things out of I, in the cornerbacks. I really like the cornerback room as well. Uh, they lose John Reed, uh, mm-hmm. who made the Texans, got drafted by Texans, played a lot last week on Monday night. Good for him. St. Joe's prep kid, as you St. know. St. prep, yeah. Um, but, you know, you still have Tyreek Castro Fields back there looking to make, you know, uh, an NFL team next year and get drafted. Big bounce back year for Tyreek Yes, Castro he played hurt a lot last year. So yep. be interested to see. He had a great sophomore season. His junior Absolutely. year, not so much. Um, 
claims he played hurt, and it was pretty obvious that he was banged up last year. Yep. Um, yep. And and let's be real here. You talked about uh, some of Taylor's deficiencies as a uh, as a right. safety. There were times where he looked really bad. Tariq Castro mm-hmm. Fields, that is. But it was a zone look where Taylor was late from the safety position. Yeah, right. And so it's, it's I'm thinking what, about that. Well, I don't know what you're thinking about, but I'm thinking about that Minnesota, the one touchdown yeah. when Lamont Wade blitzed off the edge mm-hmm. or off the corner and he was late getting over and yep. down the sideline they go. Bingo. Um, that, that was the beginning of the end. That day. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, but even alongside – so there's a lot of experience back there. And then on the other side of Castro Field, you have Marquise Wilson and Keaton Ellis, uh, two sophomores who looked very good last year. Mm-hmm. You um, want to talk about st- I mean, getting some starter minutes down yeah, the stretch. Keaton yeah. Ellis played a lot. And, and, and Marquise Wilson had a couple nice interceptions last yeah. year. I mean, these are two, two um, you know, taller cornerbacks. Uh, Ellis is north of six foot. I think Wilson's probably right around 5'11". So they're lanky guys for the position. Uh, Penn State likes lanky cornerbacks. Um, so I'm expecting big things out of the defensive backfield. They have a lot to prove this year. They do. And, and let's be honest, if you're gonna if you're gonna make a run at it, you're gonna have to stop Justin Fields in Ohio State. At least slow him down. Um, and and that's you know pass rush and and defensive backs. So let's talk a little bit about Brent Pry and some defensive schemes. Uh, again, we're gonna have the blitz coming back this year. The whiteboard going up on the wall. One thing I don't think we mentioned is we're in a new studio. We moved from Blue Bell to North Wales. Got a little more space. Feeling good about it here. But, um, you know, we're, we're getting that uh, whiteboard up on the wall, and we'll be getting to you in anticipation of these games with some breakdowns. But let's talk verbally about what we expect out of Brent Pry. To me, a guy that last year, it was, a, I don't know, maybe a two- or three-game stretch where things just didn't quite go their way. And for the first time since he's really been here, I saw Brent Pry getting a little bit of flack. I got to tell you, for my money, Brent Pry is one of the better defensive coordinators in the country. I think Penn State's very lucky to have him, and, and I think the personnel coming back is going to allow him to be very successful. Um, you know, I think some of the things in the secondary that we talked about didn't necessarily always sit well, but I think some experience in the secondary coming back, as well as that talent that you talk about, is going to allow Pry to have some flexibility, still be aggressive on the blitz, still have confidence in that linebacking core. And again, I think a bounce back year for the secondary. Yeah, I the one thing about Brent Pry that, you know, is obviously biting him is that, you know, Parsons isn't there. I mean, he was gonna be his his big toy to use this year. Blitzing, dropping in coverage, you know, delayed blitz, all that good stuff. Um you know, he's gonna have to change up how he was gonna game plan this year, um, and utilizing utilizing Micah but I mean on on paper this defense is still very very good maybe you know one of his best better if not best defenses he's had at Penn State I mean you have guys with experience um, and then you have that blended with really talented younger guys that you know are going to likely be NFL guys one day so it'll be interesting to see what he what he has up his sleeve Um, yes he did catch a lot of flack last year I thought a lot of it was um, you know, a lot of it was honestly deserved, um, but I, I think that he still is one of the better defensive coordinators, and um, I think he'll turn it around this year. I mean, heck, they've had more time to game plan now, so it, it, hopefully that's what they've been doing, even though they really didn't know there was going to be a season. But these guys never stop watching film and all that mm-hmm. stuff. That's all they do. So, uh, yeah, I'm expecting big things out of defense this year. I mean, the offense is going to put up points, but you're always going to get in those games like last year against Pitt when it was 17-10. 
you know, the final score and, mm-hmm. and the defense bailed him out and, you know, Pitt bailed him out a couple times with missed kicks and stuff like that. But yeah, should be a really good defense, I think. We're about 30 minutes in. Anything top of mind that you want to talk about? I have I have yeah. one quick hit thing, but I want to hear what you Just, got. Um, for everybody out there, um, eligibility this year. Um, you will not lose a year of eligibility even if you play. For example, Sean Clifford, redshirt junior this year, when he starts 2021 season, he will still have junior eligibility. So you do not lose a year by playing this year, which is obviously unheard of and under the circumstances that we're in. So um, you don't lose an elig- a year of eligibility, so something to follow for – which is really interesting. And you know what? There's a tumble effect, a waterfall effect. Absolutely. You expand the rosters or programs cutting more well, guys. that's the thing because <laughs> – do, do do kids that are verbally committed right now right. make a different decision because now they're behind essentially two classes of talented does Sean, players? Does Sean Clifford stay for those? Does Sean Clifford have three more seasons as the starting quarterback at Penn State? Does he have – I don't want to say this, but – if oh, he three killed, more, including so this including year. twenty sure. twenty, yeah. right? So he could have at least three. Technically, he could have he could kill it this year, go to the NFL, which I don't see happening. I'm not saying he's not going <laughs> to kill it, but I don't see him leaving. Sure. His brothers coming in That's as a t- as a receiver prospect next year. Uh, they want to play together, um, you know, for a year type of thing. But um, it, yeah, it's interesting, and especially at the p- quarterback position because there's only one of them, um, and with recruiting, you're usually only taking one per class. Um, so it's although like, that's not been the case for Penn State, hasn't always been. So but Michael it, it, Johnson Jr. But it and, usually uh, and take one Roberts. of the one or the other usually fizzle out because sure. of there's only one quarterback. And what so, do you see there? So with that class, I, well, I, no, I just see it being a little confusing for recruits, yeah. specifically quarterback, because it's like, what are the guys ahead of me going to do? Are they going to use? Am I going to now, you know, kind of lose a year type of thing if you know? Clifford hypothetically has three more years where I thought he was only going to play two more. And then what's the guy, you know, above me in pecking order? You know, it, it, it's a trickle-down effect. So Clifford's such a great example. And generally speaking, the quarterback position is a great example. Uh, there are, of course, a few quarterbacks that play well enough and, and actually can go to the NFL early. However, then there are guys like Sean Clifford who probably will not be able to do that, may or may not be an NFL quarterback down the road. But it's just so tough when you build your offense around him. Unless somebody comes in and is just a stud, it's going to be so tough to replace him. So to your point, I mean, this isn't a running back position where you can split carries. This isn't uh, a linebacker where uh, maybe it is a Micah Parsons and can go on to the NFL. It isn't a, a defensive lineman that can have a decent year but have incredible hands and measurables and go. Um, it is, of course, something that can happen with the right type of quarterback. But, you know, I think you're absolutely right is there's that bell curve and, and the vast majority of players are going to fall here where they're not going to leave early. Maybe they want to stay. Maybe they don't. Maybe that last or extra year makes them think, hey, I'm going to be more desirable for an NFL team. Mm-hmm. They stay the extra year. And how much more difficult is it to displace that player? Here's a great example, right? We talked about – uh, Steven Gonzalez coming back for his senior year. Yep. A guy that I don't know that he would have been drafted very highly anyway, but a guy that really didn't have a great senior year. But a guy that's tough to displace because he's been on that line. There's continuity there. He understands the the, the tackle that's sta- you know that's standing right next to him. And uh, I wonder if that's going to be the case for these 
types of situations with an expanded roster. Yeah, it's it's going to be, you know, they have the 85 scholarship counts. I don't know what they're going to do with that. But it's it's going to be something to watch, especially because this year it's like you're not going to redshirt anybody because they're not losing their eligibility. But you could technically, you know, play somebody a little bit this year and then a developmental offensive lineman type of guy. Well, he probably wouldn't be playing this year, but let me let me backtrack. He would almost get two redshirt years, but really only redshirting, taking one year, if you know what I mean, which right. would be yep. because nobody's losing eligibility this year. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, it can benefit a lot of guys too. It can. It can. No, that's a good point. It's a good thing to bring up. The other thing I was just going to throw out there is um, let's talk about who Penn State's going to play. And we're not going to know the order, but we can generally take a run down the Big East. And the crossover this year was supposed to be Minnesota at home, I believe. No. Is that not right? No. Um, no Minnesota. It was going to be Iowa. Well, well that's one. Um, the other one Nine was going to be schedule. Northwestern. And then on the road at Nebraska. Okay. So they were the three because – there's seven, so that's yeah. yeah you right. play six in the right, east, right, right. and then three, so four. Uh, not that's nine total. So where it stands right now with the schedule, um, they're still gonna, I would imagine, play at Nebraska because um, they have four away games. So it'll be four and four right. for the eight weeks. Now, what's gonna happen? At least to my understanding, is it'll be home against Iowa or home against Northwestern. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that's gonna work out, but it's you know you'll probably drop one and play the other um for entertainment purposes i'd like to play iowa um it's you know but they're a better team than northwestern uh but penn state's also played iowa it seems like the last five years every yep. year for a crossover um and i think they go to kinnick again next year uh so i like seeing them play other teams but i believe it's going to be one of those two teams northwestern and iowa that will be dropped um like you said we're still not sure about the order yet um but, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty – I think yeah. you'll, we'll know in about 24 to 48 hours. I think so. But we can talk generally about the East. And, obviously, Ohio State is, is the team to beat. Uh, they have lost, obviously, a lot at the running back position, but they returned Justin Fields. They still have a tremendous offensive and defensive line and just incredible talent. That, of course, the team to beat and will be the top-ranked team in the Big East – or the Big Ten, excuse me, coming in. Um, Michigan interesting situation there well, earlier we were talking about you know players opting back not necessarily opting back in but saying I'm, situation has changed i'm playing i'm playing well michigan has kind of been the opposite the big 10 announced that they're playing and then they have guys say well we're opting out so right. michigan depending on who you ask it's it looked like they're gonna have a little bit of a rebuilding year uh, I know they probably don't like using that word rebuild like you know Penn State wouldn't like saying rebuild either um but today their their best receiver Nico Collins announced that he's opting out quarterback um it was it was actually quarterback battle between uh Dylan McCaffrey younger brother of Christian McCaffrey the mm -hmm. Panthers um, was battling Joe Milton for the starting job. Uh, looks like Joe Milton has won since McCaffrey not only opted out but is transferring sure. out of Michigan. Yeah, uh, Michigan has to replace their whole offensive line. And that um, is a, that the <laughs> McCaffrey thing is a surprise, just if nothing else, because of the attention that sure. he got coming well, in. And 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 he, and let's not forget either that uh, Christian McCaffrey, the older brother, played for Harbaugh at Stanford as well. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, at least for a little bit. I'm not sure how long. Mm, I'm pretty. Actually, I don't know about that. I. I could be wrong. I, I thought was that he was definitely played for David Shaw. David Shaw. I thought there was a prior relationship there. It's um, possible. We'll have to look after the show. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean Michigan. Um, you know, you talk about Ohio State. Definitely the team to beat. Uh, I, I would put Penn State number two. I right would too, but I. I I get it. Some talent leaving. Michigan is still an extremely talented program, and I they're, think they are right there. They're really beat up on the lines this year. I, the I offense and defensive lines have taken a beating there. And that offensive line has been the strength of that program for the last few years. There's no Look, doubt. They've they've sent a lot of guys to the NFL. Right. They've had a lot of all Big Ten selections. So I, I get what you're saying. It's still Michigan. Well, it is. Um, and, you know, Penn State, has, it's been House of Horrors going to uh, – Ann Arbor, the big house, the last couple of years. This year, no fans. Um, I don't know if if that changes anything. The noise all goes up anyway. So right. You don't hear I, I don't know. I, you know, but I, Michigan, it, it just they're replacing their whole offensive line, new quarterback, um, two out of their three receivers now. Um, you know, even on their defense, their defensive line is very thin. They are still Michigan, as you said. They're it's not going to be like a cakewalk, like Penn State's going to go in there when they go in there and just walk over them. I mean, you know, it, it's going to be a stressful game, just like it seems like it always is when those two teams play. Um, so I, I think that Michigan is trending down, though, a little bit as of late. I actually – well, you could put the other Michigan team in there. Michigan State is trending mm-hmm. down yep. big time, too. I actually like Indiana this year uh, when we talk about the Big Ten East. I think – Good offensive program. I, yeah, I think Indiana is going to surprise some teams. I wouldn't be surprised – and I'm not going out on a limb or anything like that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they really contend for that third spot this year Yeah, with Michigan. Um, and, and I think Michigan State's going to drop down to five um, at the end of the day, uh, and they might even have trouble holding off like a Maryland for that five spot. Um, and then, you know, those two can battle out for five and six. Rutgers Rutgers. coming in at seven. And what's interesting this year, what's interesting this year is we talked about a little bit on earlier on is December 19th is going to be the Big Ten Championship. Yep. December 19th is also going to be <laughs> the two from the east plays the two from the west, the three east, three west, and so on. We're going to have a toilet bowl this year. I can't wait. And it's probably going to be – it's almost like – it's going to be really fun to watch because it's going to be like Illinois versus Rutgers. Ah, uh, don't do my man like that, uh, lovey. Well, I mean, who else – I mean, I, the west, I don't follow it as much, but – Northwestern could it be. It could be Northwestern. Yeah. But, I mean – just like that's like i just can't imagine playing in that like because it's literally the toilet bowl <laughs> like there's gonna be awesome yeah and all those games on one day i mean um it'll, it'll be fun i mean gotta head could, down to the north wales studios here get yeah the two there, there you go yeah um but you know it'll be a nice close to the big 10 season after everything that has gone on this year and how the say what you want about the big 10 and how they handled the whole situation but hopefully they get it right First and foremost for the players, um, you know, that have aspirations of playing college football, going to the NFL. It's a good experience for them to, you know, thank God they can play this year. Well put. Well, this was an emergency podcast, so is there anything urgent that we didn't get out there yet? I'm trying to think. Um, hmm. I think we covered covered all the bases. Obviously, the next big news is going to be the schedule. Um, like I said, within a day or two, we should have that. Uh, no fans this year at any games in the Big Ten. Yep. Uh, Penn State banned tailgating today, so don't get any ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I I guess that's one thing I'm really curious to see how it plays out because I'm a I'm a big I love college football like it to me it's the top sport um and a, and a big part of that is the pageantry you yeah. know you have the bands the student sections the tailgating it's the whole experience of it um and just and it's generational connection yeah yeah it is and and this year it's like you know playing in an empty Beaver Stadium like on TV watching it look we just watched the NFL this weekend without really any fans in the stadium with the exception of maybe the Chiefs and the Jags okay so there were a couple um and and honestly watching it on TV the NFL like watching the Eagles Redskins game I mean <laughs> the result was what it was but um it wasn't terrible watching it without fans they do a nice job of keeping the right on you the almost field. feel like you're watching a, a football game like when they go to play in like ireland or something where they put like the advertisements in the lower tier yep. kind of the to hide the empty so they did a it's nice like playing job it on a sound stage, right right Tyler. and i don't know if they're going to do like inputted noises or anything like that crowd noises but i guess psychologically and emotionally for the players i'm interested to see how you know where the energy comes from uh, because it's not going to be coming from the crowd this year. Yep. Should be fun. But Big Ten football is back, and that means Penn State football is back, and that means that you and I We're are back. back. <laughs> we are excited to do it. Again, we mentioned it before, but we do have a new home this year, and that's going to be the Small Player Big Play app. You can download that on any of your mobile devices. Just go to the App Store. It's uh, It's going to be completely free. Uh, to watch our show. There are some pay options to watch some high school sports and things like that. They do a wonderful job all throughout the state of Pennsylvania. But again, this Penn State show, the Nittany Lions Sports Report, Tyler Gelhouse, Bob Long, will remain free on the app, and uh, that's going to be our new home. So we're excited to be there, market ourselves to a much larger Penn State audience throughout Central PA as well. They have a really good following, and uh, and we're getting them into the Philadelphia market as well. So, Tyler, if there's nothing else. That's it. Um, you know, it really, it does feel good to be back. Uh, you know, I, Bob kept texting me, you want to do the show this year? And I'm like, if there's football, I'll do the show. No football hobbies, I'm not doing the show. Um, Tough to talk about much. And, and, and today, when, you know, we could tell the news was going to break, I'm like, we just came to the agreement, let's do a, you know, an emergency podcast. I'll come up to the beautiful new house to, uh, tonight in, in North Wales here, and um, we we got to talk football. So it, it's great to talk football. Sense of normalcy is really the mm. thing uh, with how crazy this year's been. Um, just a sense of normalcy with, you know, the weather starting to turn a little cooler, um, the days shortening. But, you know, finally in a couple weeks here we'll have, you know, something to look forward to on the weekend um, for those three, three and a half hours. Can't wait. We'll be there for it. We'll probably have another one of these when the schedule comes out, and then October 24th cannot come quickly enough. You're the man, Tyler. Thanks for doing this, and thanks to all our loyal followers for coming back for another year of the Nittany Lions Sports Report. And, of course, it is live here on Bob Long Sports, soon to be in the small player, big play app. Make sure you download that and uh, be ready for all of our content this year. On go the Nittany Lions for another football season here in 2020.